Hello and welcome back to Ninjas and Bots. This is episode two of a podcast that is going through the IDW series for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the Transformers. I'm John. And I'm Lane. And in this episode, we are ready to dive into our first issue of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Cowabunga, Lane. Cowabunga. <laughs> I love the turtles. I, I do, too. I don't know if I should ironically love the turtles as a 40, almost 45-year-old man, but... Um, I don't ironically love them. I just love them. I, I, I've always loved them. Like, who, who do you have a favorite turtle? Oh, dear. Um, hmm. Well, you see, hmm, I don't know because they're all cool in different ways. Cause I'm kind of Leonardo a leads, Donatello does machines. Uh-huh. Raphael is cool, but crude. Michelangelo is a party dude. Yeah. So. I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a kid, my favorite was Michelangelo, but. Now, as an you know, almost old woman, um, I see, I, I love them all for their own different ways. They're all my children. I love them equally. I think in the cartoon that came out around this time, the Donatello really, I really liked him a lot. Um, Leonardo, though, watches the animated Star Trek series from the 70s in that show. <laughs> and that just makes him the best turtle ever. Nice. In every season of that cartoon, they're watching a different filmation animated series, except because they don't have the rights, it's like a knockoff imitation of it for the cartoon. <laughs> so it's imitation animated Star Trek, and then imitation Thundar, and yeah, it's fantastic. Um, did you ever run across the Ninja Turtles um, stage play, like N- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Live, that they did around like 91, 92? No. Oh, um, we never saw it, but we had the soundtrack. And um, at one point, they're introducing the turtles. And okay, so I'm just going to do this. Um, Yo, there's Donatello. Even for a turtle, he's mellow. It's oh. simple. It's simple. What makes him grin? Just give him anything. Give him anything. Give him anything that you plug in. If it's got to do with a chip or a bit, energy that just won't quit. Yeah, um, there's a whole thing. <laughs> That's But that part sticks in my head for the last third, third, 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> the earworm that just won't die. Right. But anyways, we're here to talk comics. Yes. So we are... Starting with issue one of the IDW Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Change is Constant. Cover date, August 2011. Writer, Kevin Eastman. And I love that they pulled the original uh, creators in for this. And Tom Waltz. Penciler, Dan Duncan. Inker, Dan Duncan. Colorist, Rhonda Pattinson. Letterer, Robbie Robbins. Editor, Scott Dunbeer. In a tumble-down part of town... Splinter, along with Donatello, Michelangelo, and Leonardo, who wear red masks, square up against a gang of humans led by Old Hob, a tall mutant cat with a patch over his right eye. Splinter tells Old Hob that they are not there to fight, but that they only want this neighborhood left in peace. Old Hob says that Splinter can keep on waiting, then gives the order for his gang to attack. As they fight, Splinter reminds his sons that none must die, but Old Hob wants... That stinking rat and those slimy reptiles dead. Donatello's bow staff is coldly analytical and deliberate. Leonardo's katana are militantly trained and precise. Michelangelo's nchaku are absurdly unorthodox and carefree. 
And of course, these descriptions can also be applied to the Ninja Turtles wielding these, these weapons. The Ninja makes short work of the gang, leading Old Hob to, to fight Splinter himself. As they fight, Splinter narrates that he has defeated Old Hob before. Then, as now, the battle was fierce. But what once was solely a fight for survival has become very personal. Soon, Old Hob and his gang lay defeated in the alley. But victory is bittersweet, as they are still without the fourth brother. We cut to see Raphael, maskless, wearing a hoodie and an old trench coat, alone and with an expression of despair. Eighteen months earlier, at Stockgen Research Incorporated, intern April O'Neill asks Chet Allen what the turtles in the tanks were there for. Chet explains that they are part of something to do with genetic regeneration, but he's not really directly involved with it. Something to do with bioengineering meat. A rat appears on the tank's lid, startling April. Chet says not to worry about the rat, that it's another part that it's part of another special project and he's always running around the place because they have trouble keeping it contained. Chet then leads April to HR to get her new intern badge, but as she leaves the room, she casts a glance over her shoulder at the gray rat who returns her gaze. In an observation room above, Dr. Stockman receives a call from General Krang from Brno Island. Stockman asks how the war is going. Krang replies, Frankly, Stockman, the war and I will both be better when I know things are advancing more rapidly on your end. You're past due on getting me the latest sit-rep of the test I ordered, and I'm tired of waiting. Stockman assures Krang that despite the minor delay, everything is under control. Everything the General has ordered will be completed in short order, including the super-soldier mutagen. Three months later, which is 15 months prior to our opening scene for those of you keeping score at home, Chet remarks that April has grown fond of the turtles. April admits that she finds the turtles precious, but the rat, not so much. Another employee named Lindsay says that Splinter isn't so bad, and explains that he is named Splinter because he's part of a psychotropic drug test. The drug's effect is like splitting, or splintering, the animal's nature in two. April asks what that has to do with bioengineering meat, which is what she had been led to believe by Chet when she first began her internship. Lindsay suddenly remembers another appointment and leaves. Perhaps changing the subject, Chet says to April that she should give the turtles names, and April says that she already has thanks to her art history course that semester. The little guy, standing all still and quiet, is Leonardo. The one studying the bug is Donatello, and the one gorging himself on lettuce is Michelangelo. Oh, and the feisty one? That's Raphael. Back in the present day, we see Raphael dumpster diving for food. He thinks he hit pay dirt with a pizza box, but it only has one paltry slice and a couple of crusts. He eats, but it won't quite cut it. He wanders through the dark neighborhood, looking in trash bins for anything he can use, when the sound of domestic violence coming from a nearby house catches his attention. Through the window, he can see a large, intoxicated man physically abusing his teenage son. With his fist cocked back, he tells Casey that he's no damn good and he hates that he was ever born. Raphael has seen enough. The front door explodes off its hinges as he kicks it down. With his hood down, exposing his mutant green head and his strange hands held up in fists, he offers to show just how much he hates bullies. And that's the end of issue one. Yay. Um, this is a fantastic introduction. I love it. Um, one of the things I like about it is that at the very beginning, you don't necessarily realize immediately that you don't have all the turtles. 
Mm-hmm. Like, once you realize, you can go back and see that there have been only three turtles this whole time. Yeah. But at first, it's just the turtles and Splinter versus Cat Dude. Yeah, because there's so much going on in the scenery that, like, yeah, you, you could easily skip right over the fact that one of them is missing. Mm-hmm. And I just have to say, okay, the connecting covers are cool. I like the art for this series. But for me, Eastman Turtles will always be quintessential. And so I love that he does so many covers for this series. Yeah. And in the collection, at least, the first issue is led with the Eastman variant cover. And I like it a lot. Yeah, he does have a very distinctive style. So I, I, I was glad to see that as well. Um, one of the things that I noticed about this right off the bat is that they're all red masks. Mm-hmm. And they were all red masks in the original comics as well. They didn't get colored masks, colorful, very colored masks until the cartoon, because the cartoon was aimed at a younger audience than the original comic series was. Yeah. And so they had to have the, uh, the very colored masks to identify the characters better. Mm-hmm. But um, when you're reading in black and white, they're all white. And in the colorized version, they're all red. Yeah. And I like that they open this up with the, the all red masks as well. Like nice little yeah. tiebacks to the to the origins from, yes. man, like th- what, almost 30 years ago from mm-hmm. the point of this publication? Yeah, 1984, 85, somewhere around there is where they started publishing. They were, because, I don't know, Mirage was, I think, one of the lesser known studios at first. It got bigger as it went along, but mm-hmm. um, I think they started out basically doing underground comics. Um and it was interesting seeing Splinter out there fighting as well, because I, you know, before I started reading these, I was used to seeing Splinter in the um, 80s cartoon. And he he seemed to always be in the lair, mm-hmm. right, waiting for the turtles to come back. Uh, I, it's been years since I've seen it, so I might be wrong. But I he love that. He does play Zordon a lot. He just likes yeah. to hangs back and, and waits at the lair a lot. Yeah. So I love that in this first issue, he's out there with what he who he calls his sons um Mm -hmm. he's out there fighting literally tooth and nail alongside them yes because that's another thing about splinter is a lot of times you get the feeling like he's a frail old man Mm -hmm. and splinter is kicking butt and taking names in this yeah um so we have some characters obviously that are part of the franchise but for those who are just reading for the first time and may not know all the different versions of the franchise i i feel like it's worth pointing out that old hob is original to this version of the turtle story he has I not love, been in mirage others i love old hob and i think like you know being in a gang led by an alley cat mutant that's just so cool <laughs> <laughs> like if you're an alley cat mutant what are you going to do? You're going to lead a gang of other cats. Now, they're not cats, obviously, in this because they're people. But um, but yeah, that's what they're going to do. Yeah. Um, I like him for similar reasons that I mentioned about Starscream last episode, is that he's a meaningful, incredible threat to the turtles. Mm-hmm. And they can use him before they introduce Shredder, which I assume they're going to do at some point. Yeah, and he's really tall. He looks taller than most, if not all, the humans in his gang. And he's muscular and, uh, you know, he just kind of towers over Splinter. Of course, Splinter is... Is a rat. <laughs> and But size doesn't matter for Splinter. He still takes him down. Mm-hmm. Um, and he they hint that, you know, this isn't the first time they have fought. And I'm sure we'll come back to that at some point. 
Yes, I mentioned that in my notes as well, that we do have a history between these two. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure whether we see it or not, but just that just gives depth to the story. Because um, I'm... Okay, when we figure out that Raphael is separate and that they're looking for him, I've seen the first movie. I've read the comics. I know how hot-headed Raphael is. Mm-hmm. If Raphael is not with these guys, my only question is, what did Leonardo do? Uh-huh. You know? So the fact that he's separated from them... And that's where we're starting the story has me intrigued, you know? Yeah. And we're flashing back to the origin, but there's a lot of gap between the 15 months ago and now. So I don't know. I don't know where, how we got here. Yeah. And, and he looks very like all the, the, we get shots of the three other turtles and splinter looking very sad. Even though Mm -hmm. they, they won against the gang, you know, they're, they're still missing Raphael. And then we get that shot. You know, the, the next panel is Raphael walking, and he just looks so dejected. And he's so sad. He's so sad. Yeah, he's a sad boy. <laughs> um, a detail on the fight. So, um, one of the things that uh, is it Splinter? No, it's one of the turtles with one of the gang members. Is a groin kick. Yeah, and I've heard some guys say that that's bad pool, and I'm like, no. If you're real life fighting and you're afraid for your life, groin kicks are definite strategy do it now i'm saying this as someone who has never been in a fight outside of a couple in school and i've never been afraid for my life because of violence but this seems reasonable yeah yeah (laughs) all's fair and love and war if if you're fighting for your life you go for those eyeballs you go for those groins you do what you got to do um i was surprised here because in the origin we don't get any japan yeah we and I, I just, I was expecting Oroku Saki, and mm-hmm. of course we don't have any Saki here, and Hamato Yoshi, mm-hmm. we don't get Yoshi. Um, we get April in a lab working for Baxter Stockman like she did in the original Mirage comics that made me happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and Stockman is black again, like he was in the original comics, even though they turned him into a clown in the cartoon, that's okay, but you know. Um, yeah, no Japan, but very cool uh, hints at the beginning of the origin here. Yeah, I, I like where they started us because it it's not like a pure origin story. Like we're already starting in the middle of something, and mm-hmm. I have a feeling they're they're gonna you know backtrack a little bit and fill in some of the gaps as we go. But I think they started at a really great place to say, oh, we're we're going for it. We're we're in the action and something's going on, and we're not sure what, but we're along for the ride. Right. I am very curious what Krang is going to be like in this series. Um, every version of Krang I've seen has been different. Mm-hmm. The Krang in the Mirage comics is not the Krang from the original cartoon series, is not the Krang from the 2012 series. Those are all different Krangs. And so I'm just curious to see how this series is going to play it. Because we see um, some sort of island fortress and a dude with you know on the phone. Um, so do we have, uh, you know, alien brains? Um, the fact that there's a person looking body does not preclude the idea of alien brains because the alien brains always get person looking bodies in the, in the various versions. So, yep. um, yeah, I'm very intrigued. Yes. And uh, let's see. Uh, Splinter as a rat, he still looks like he, he's part of that experiment where they're trying to give him, like splitting his, um, basically splitting off possible human type traits. And you can see that even though he's a rat still here, you could get a sense that he's understanding everything that's going on around him. Just the way he watches April and the furrowing of his little 
ratty brows. Um, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, he seems surprisingly intelligent and definitely emotive on a human level. Yes. He's not quite to a point where he's got, you know, opposable thumbs and can, you know, stand upright and, and speak. But he there's something going on behind those eyes. Now, Lindsay, who works with April, is not Irma. And every time we see April talk to a woman, I'm going to see if it's Irma. Um, <laughs> but she does let the rat out of the bag, so to speak. And I like that Chet has to hush her mm-hmm. behind April's back. That's a very great visual. It's very believable. Yeah. Like, oh, that, that was so tough. And, she, and, and Lindsay's like, oh, I've got to go do this thing over there. I'll die. <laughs> <laughs> and they name all the turtles. April names all the turtles. And... My stepmother was an art major. Um, she thought that my brother and I, as young Ninja Turtles fans, needed to know, as part of our turtle fandom, that Donatello is very separate from the other three artists that the turtles yes, are named for. Not quite a Renaissance artist. I, I was an no. art history major as well. <laughs> yeah, he he dies a while before any of the others are even born. Yeah. And Wikipedia labeled him as a Renaissance artist, but my stepmother told me he was not. And so I don't know if he's like on the line between two different art eras. I think so. He's kind of like a proto-Renaissance. But yeah, he did predate the other ones by a good bit. And speaking of the the artists, um, I I have a birthday coming up. um, And my husband got me a t-shirt and it arrived yesterday. And it has the Ninja Turtles and they're working on pieces of art in the style of their artist. Oh, wow. I love it. I'll have to find a picture and, and yeah, you should, send. Yeah, you should share that. It's great. And like like Leonardo is doing the Vesuvian man, but it's a turtle. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, we do get a pizza, kind of, sort of, almost, but mm-hmm. not really because it's, it's mostly eaten. Yeah. Um, and... Raphael picks up a Cowabunga shirt and then mm-hmm. throws it away. So are we throwing away Cowabunga altogether? Is there no uh, Cowabunga in this comic? Uh, I don't I don't know. Maybe maybe it's a little outdated by this point, or maybe it's more of a Michelangelo thing. Maybe it's too small. It looks like a small shirt to fit over his shell, so True. Yeah. But um yeah, what do you think about this introduction to Casey Jones? Okay. So I was not entirely sure if it was Casey Jones. I figured it probably was uh-huh. because why would you have a kid named Casey who wasn't Casey Jones? But mm-hmm. I didn't even catch that it was a Casey on the first read through. Yeah. I just heard Raphael was sticking his nose in to save a kid. And then on the second read, he's like, Oh, that's, that's Casey. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, I like it because Casey has a chip on his shoulder and giving him a reason to have a chip on his shoulder is a good thing. And having Raphael immediately connect with him mm-hmm. is classic. That's classic. Yeah. Raphael, Raphael and Casey Jones, they're peas and carrots. Yeah. I, I love their their friendship that they have. And this is them meeting. And Raphael, you know, obviously knowing that he looks different because he's been walking around in a trench coat and a hood. Mm-hmm. But once he sees someone in trouble, someone he doesn't know, um, he's like, you know what? No, we're not doing this. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that he's he's kind of got his dukes up. And um, it doesn't seem to be a very martial arty style. So I wonder oh. if, yeah, that might be something. But um, either way, he, he really kicked down that door and um, 
Yeah, just a, a I think I thought a really surprisingly dark intro to Casey Jones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. his father just like, you know, was just beaten on it. His father's a big guy. And just saying, I hate that you were as ever born. Ugh. And Casey doesn't look that young. This is not like a 14-year-old Casey that we're talking about. He, I mean, he's got shoulders. Mm-hmm. His arms have musculature. Unless there's something that I'm misreading in the art, this Casey's got to be 20. Yeah. You know, yeah. Eight, he's- 18, 20, something like that. And he's getting still, still getting beaten on by his dad. Yeah. And he could probably, like... He probably wouldn't win just because of the size difference, but he could probably do something. But he's trying. Um, he says to his dad, "Come on, just stop. You're what? You're freaking wasted again. Just go to bed and leave me alone." Mm-hmm. And um, this kind of um, touched me personally. Um, unfortunately, my mother was very alcoholic. She didn't physically beat me, mm-hmm. but I know what it's like to have to be a parent to your parent because they're drunk and not taking care of themselves. So I really connected with Casey on this. I got the other half of the picture. My dad was not a drunk. I did not have to take care of him, but he was a beater. Mm. So oh goodness. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's hard. Of course, he. whenever I was Casey's age here, my dad was already dead. So I didn't have to do this like adult response mm-hmm. to your abusive parent thing. Yeah. But, um, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, it just makes him such a human character. You um, immediately sympathize with him. I think, I think Casey Jones is a, a risky character because you mm-hmm. don't want him to just be a blowhard, right? Um, you want to be able to sympathize with the roughness to his character, which I don't think the all versions of Casey Jones achieve. Mm-hmm. But I like this start to the character. Yeah, we see him vulnerable and in a bad place and his hockey mask is nowhere to be found because sometimes when casey jones is introduced he's like in his full hockey gear and that kind mm-hmm. of takes away his humanity a little bit i mean it's a cool look right. but you just see him as you know a character where here he's he's very much a human he's a, a young guy and he's dealing with something that is really rough and this connection between raf and casey i like a lot more than you gotta know what a crumpet is to understand cricket mm-hmm um, that, I, I, that movie is why I love Elias Kataeus. He was my first Casey Jones, and I still think of oh, him as Casey Jones. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, but I, I love the movie, and I love when I was reading through the Mirage comics, finding out how much of that movie was based in comic plots. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that that Casey Jones was the one I was thinking of when I was saying that he's not always a sympathetic character; he's just kind of a blowhard. Yeah. Like, that particular role was written well. He did a great job with it. I mm-hmm. loved him in it. But there are other versions of Casey Jones out there I think we can connect with. Yeah, he doesn't get he doesn't become a deep character in that movie, but that that's fine. It, it was it was still he better. He only get together in that movie because they're the only man and woman who have any screen time together. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Still better than Which, the Michael Bay movie. <laughs> I liked the second one a lot. Uh, I like the, the first one was okay. I like the second one a lot. The second one brought in Bebop and Rocksteady and Krang, and it, yeah, felt, was, like the, it felt like the eighties cartoon came to life. I really liked it. I just don't but, like how the turtles look too. Like it just uh, and they anyway. look like turtles. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Box turtles are cute at least, but I don't know. They yes, just they yes. didn't look. right. anyway, sorry. Go ahead. It's okay. <laughs> no one has to like everything. Um, so yeah, I this is. 
a fantastic intro. Um, we have our characters. We don't know what's going on with Raphael, so there's a mystery there. The origin looks like it's going to be played out for us over time, so we're intrigued there. Um, Old Hob is an interesting antagonist. We don't really know what's going to happen there. We actually don't get a lot from any character except the origin story. Um, we get one scene with the turtles fighting Hob. We get one scene of Baxter talking to Krang and one scene of Raphael uh, in the streets and running across Casey Jones. Okay, it's um, interesting. We start with the end of a fight and we end with the beginning of a fight. Ooh, parallelism. Mm-hmm. And I just noticed on this last panel a, a phone number written on the wall because, you know, Casey Jones's house is pretty, pretty run down. But I see it, it looks like five 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 six seven three. Seven one. or three one, yeah, three one, and it's got the name Bill and yeah. a little smiley face with the tongue sticking out. It says. So, if that's like an in joke between the the artist and someone else, or what? Yeah, I'm curious now. <laughs> but yeah, if I were to write down my questions that came to this issue, probably just you know obvious stuff: how did Raph get separated from the others? What is mm-hmm. Crane going to be like? And wanting to find out maybe more about the history between Old Hob and the Turtles or Splinter and the rest of the origin. Yeah. But those are the things that I'm wondering about as I leave the story. Yeah. But yeah, great first issue, yeah? Yes. I I fell in love with the IDW Turtles immediately when I read this. So we will come back next week for issue one of Transformers Infiltration. And we'll have more Turtles in two weeks with issue two of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes. All right. Anything else before we go? Calabunga, dude. <laughs> and thanks for listening. Bye. This podcast is a production of JohnReadsComics.com, home of virtually all of the podcasts produced by me, John Wilson. Each show has its own feed on your favorite podcatcher, or the whole group can be followed under the name John Reads Comics. Remember, there is no H in John. Feedback for all shows can be sent to JohnReadsComics at gmail.com, and I will plan to read it on a future episode unless you ask me not to. Follow me on Twitter at John Reads Comics, and thank you always for listening to podcasts from JohnReadsComics.com. Comics.com.